today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Tomorrow is budget day. Uh, parliamentarians are back to work today after a two-week break. And tomorrow afternoon at about 4 o'clock, Finance Minister Bill Morneau will rise in the Commons and deliver, uh, well, the last budget this government's going to do before the election comes up in October. So it's pretty important stuff. Every budget is, obviously, but lots of speculation about just might, what might just be included in this thing. Uh, with the budget, too, uh, some suggesting high-speed uh, Canada-wide internet. Uh, but what about businesses? What what kind of uh, motive uh, are they going to try to move forward here to get the businesses moving and uh, get the economy humping, as uh, any government wants to do as they start going into an election? Joining us to talk about what we may hear from the finance minister tomorrow is uh, Monique Moreau, Vice President of National Affairs with the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses. Uh, Monique, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. Let's let's uh, speculate, if we could, just a little bit about what we might see tomorrow. It's uh, good news. Budget is is really the mantra, I guess, for any government heading down the road towards an election right now. But uh, what do we need to see to make that happen? Well, from a small business perspective, really, the focus bill needs to be on reducing some of the increased costs that they've been facing. Uh, the CPP has gone up this year. There's carbon tax increases in many, many provinces, including in Ontario. And some small business owners are telling us they're also struggling to fill vacancies. They're having a hard time finding people to work the jobs they need. So those would be our key measures that we're focusing on uh, tomorrow. Well, let's talk a little bit about those impacts. And, and obviously, the carbon tax uh, that you've mentioned was, was one of the, the pillars of their, their platform, and they have moved forward on that right now. What are you hearing from your members, uh, Monique, about how it, what, the impact that it's having on small business? At this point, Bill, they're telling us, look, we've done everything we can. The environment is important to many small business owners, and they've taken the measures that were available to them, but they don't have any more money to be putting towards a carbon tax. And many members told us that they are going to be challenged to pass on the cost to consumers, which is the idea behind this whole thing. So really what we're asking for the government is to firstly stop implementing the carbon tax, but if they do go ahead, that they do implement offsetting measures for small businesses that are easy to access so that if they do want to replace a boiler or a refrigeration unit, that it doesn't involve a big red tape bureaucratic process to get out some of that money. Uh, so obviously assistance, because right? I mean, that's the, you know, that's the, where it's going to have the most impact. So we're looking at situations like this. Do you have a chance uh, before to actually have some input into this? I mean, do they reach out to organizations like yourselves more, and said, what can we do for you? On the carbon tax, we have been meeting with the minister uh, fairly frequently, trying to communicate the views of small business owners, saying to them, firstly, that they don't have any money left uh, in their pockets at this point to be passing on uh, or to be taking on some of these extra costs. Uh, they always, you know, tend to forget uh, governments do that. There's only one taxpayer, even though there's three levels of government. And so that's something we're often trying to remind them, that the governments don't work, uh, you know, co- a coordinated way to reduce costs for business owners. Certainly, we've been asking them to think about making sure that any programming they do offer or if there is going to be um, some of that money that they're planning on returning to small businesses gets to them in a really quick and easy way. So that, that's obviously going to be of prime importance. What about putting money into the pockets of the consumers themselves? Is, is that something that you'd be looking for, something that you'd like to see from the government here? Well, we certainly know, at least on the carbon tax, that's already happening. That's what the climate action incentive is for. Yeah. I know in Ontario, I think it's supposed to be a couple hundred bucks per family. So, And big businesses have their own um, exemptions through the um, programming that's available to them. So what we're really trying to do is bring some fairness back to this issue, making sure that small business owners are looked after, too. So with that in mind, uh, I'm going to go back about two years uh, when there was a federal budget being delivered. And, uh, and one of the, the main focus of, of that budget was, uh, was uh, tax reform for small businesses. And if I recall, Monique, it didn't go well. 
Uh, you know, there was a big pushback, obviously, from small and large businesses. They had to walk back on a lot of their ideas that they wanted to do uh, at that time uh, in, the, in the way of tax reform for businesses. Uh, do you see and, or anticipate that you're going to see something like that again in this budget? Well, certainly we hope not to the degree. At this point, we're still asking them to kind of clean up the mess uh, from that budget a couple years ago and asking them to consider consider grandfathering passive investments. So those businesses that have already made their plans and have already have um, investments that have been accumulating, that those are exempt from this tax uh, changes. And we're also asking them to consider exempting spouses from some of the changes that they made too for income splitting. We really think that most Canadian businesses are run as quote-unquote mom-and-pop shops. And so that's one way to recognize the efforts that a partner or a spouse puts into the business, even though they may not be in the business every day. Do they get that? Do they understand exactly what, what goes on in small businesses? I mean, you know, because we, we've talked to a number of people, of course, that were impacted by those policies. Uh, well, starting from as soon as that budget was announced a couple of years ago now. And, and they didn't seem to get it. They, the, the government members we talked to didn't seem to understand that, look, at the, you know, there's no retirement savings plan for people that own small businesses more often than not. So they need that nest egg. And the government uh, just didn't seem to understand that that was such an important part of small businesses, not just succeeding, but continuing to, to carry on for years and years and years. Well, and that's exactly it. I think there is some frustration amongst business owners. I think some MPs have, have uh, woken up to the, the sort of logic behind some of these asks and these requests. But I know many business owners feel frustrated by the way things w- uh, were communicated and the lack of understanding displayed by, uh, by the government uh, in terms of dealing with this issue and really trying, if they really do care about the middle class and they think small business is part of that middle class, then they need to rethink some of these policies that are not addressing, m- making sure business owners stay uh, afloat, frankly and also have money to retire on. You talked about skill shortage. Let's talk a little bit about that and, and the impact a budget can have on that. Certainly. I think at this time, it's, it's, you know, we're in a tricky place in the economy where business owners are, are telling us that they've got job vacancies, they can't fill them. We have a shortage of all kinds of labor, not just skilled technical uh, labor, but also you know, unskilled or what we call semi-skilled. So we're looking to see recognition of the work that small business owners do when they train individuals, often for the first time, or you know, sometimes business owners are only getting people who've worked in one or two jobs prior to coming to that job. And so we really want to see some return on the investment that business owners invest in small biz- in, uh, in employees. And so some training credits or a reduction of the uh, employment insurance premiums that small business owners pay. One of the, the debatable issues that, that just seems to always come up in situations like that is, is, is who gets those benefits. Uh, you know, and I used the phrase a second ago, but putting cash and putting money into the, into the pockets of consumers. Uh, from your standpoint, though, Monique, I, I mean, on behalf of the, the, the Federation of Independent Businesses, uh, you want those consumers to spend that money, not necessarily to just put it away in, in savings accounts, don't you? That's correct, and we never really know. That's a you know that's often a message or a refrain that's shared by government is that you know if we're giving individuals more money, then they'll spend it in businesses. Well, we don't always know that's the case. People are paying down debt, they're investing in other issues or other um, things that are important to their families. So it's it's always tricky to know how people are going to spend their money. And certainly for us, uh, involving the small business owner in that package is a really critical piece for us, and not necessarily just passing the money on to the employee. What about home ownership? That's, a, again, become, uh, in some places in this country, a crisis, uh, it is, well, especially in some places like Vancouver. But we're feeling it, I think, here in southern Ontario as well. How can the government do anything here? How can the government uh, initiate uh, some sort of a program that's going to make housing more affordable? 
Well, I think certainly while that's not really in our wheelhouse, we do have a number of business owners that work from home and, and home ownership, especially if you've never bought a home, is, as we've been hearing loud and clear across the country, becoming a bit of an issue. So uh, certainly we, we're, we would welcome measures the government brings in to help address that. So obviously that's something I, I'm thinking the minister is going to be discussing. And it's a balancing act, really, isn't it, to try to find uh, something that's going to be good for consumers, but at the same time, uh, you know, small businesses. Because obviously, you know, we want these small businesses to grow. I mean, I, that's one of the mantras, of course, that this is the backbone of, of the economy. And uh, there has been some criticism right now that Mr. Morneau doesn't seem to understand exactly how to keep that business and that, those small businesses moving. Well, we certainly have, you know, done our best to give him some ideas for that. Uh, it's been, you know, we know that small businesses contribute to 98, uh, or sorry, uh, they employ 98% of Canadians and contribute to nearly half of Canada's GDP. So certainly uh, we have, we know the, the facts are there that uh, small businesses are the backbone of the economy. But when you believe that and you say that, then your measures need to follow that. And so we'll certainly be looking to tomorrow's budget as, as potentially uh, turning the boat around on some of these issues. Okay, so uh, when we finish this conversation, Monique, and uh, as soon as you hang up the phone, the phone rings again in your office, and it's, it's Bill Morneau, and he says, look, Monique, I just heard you with Bill Kelly. Uh, what's this one thing that you could offer right now to, in the way of advice to Mr. Morneau to say, look, at, this is what we need. This is right at the top of our list. Well, certainly, uh, I would be thrilled if that happened, uh, Bill, and I'll certainly keep you posted <laughs> if it does. But uh, I think at this point, we really need to address the shortage of skilled labor and certainly uh, look at reducing the impact of uh, the CPP increases in carbon taxes. Those would be, I know you only asked me for one, but those would be sort of my one-two punch. If well, I, one and if one I A, though. Okay, that, that sounds yeah. reasonable, too. Let's, let's talk about the skilled shortage, though. And you want to talk about training, and, and obviously, that's a very expensive endeavor. Uh, how do you approach something like that? How do you envision a program that, that actually is going to be beneficial to small businesses so they have that labor pool. Certainly. Well, we've got a number of suggestions over the years as the economy has waxed and waned to try and deal with this. One of the options is to recognize the efforts that small business owners make for on-the-job informal training. So this is not the kind of training where you go away to a course for a few weeks and then come back. You get a certificate saying you passed or you didn't. This is the kind of training that happens when a business owner has to pull someone else off the line, for example, or reduce the productivity of one employee to train a new person. And so we're really trying to get at how do you recognize the efforts that small business owners have made there. And one way is to um, come up with a a training tax credit. So to, uh, we've suggested perhaps reducing the um, employment insurance premiums that business owners pay because they have to pay 1.4 times the amount as employees only pay, pay one, uh, one time, obviously. Um, we've also asked them to consider partnering with organizations such as ours to um, make sure that um, the more informal training is recognized. And so not necessarily training that has come from a university or from a recognized educational institution, but to get at online training, for example, or training that that uh, may be only offered within a specific sector. So we have some ideas, and we've certainly offered those to the government. And, and obviously, there's another concern here, too, and it's, it's retraining. I mean, we can talk about training for a particular job, but what we're seeing here in, in the uh, economy here in Ontario for the last number of years, of course, is with the, the evolution that's happening, for instance, in manufacturing. You've seen people that are 35, 40 years old all of a sudden uh, looking for work and, and with one skill set that they think may not be marketable right now. How do, how do we approach retraining programs? 
I think that you've really uh, hit the nail on the head and certainly looking at, it's really hard to predict the skill set that's going to be needed, but when you do have that information, supporting those employees that are going through transition is really critical. And that can be in the form of an education credit. It can also be to help other businesses in the area um, look at taking on those individuals who are seeking retraining and then recognizing that effort. Um, Certainly working with local industry associations or um, uh, uh, local sector sectoral organizations where they've already addressed some of these issues. And of course, we really are big fans of colleges and polytechnics. Those kinds of institutions tend to have their finger on the pulse a bit more than universities do. And so we would support any initiatives that would help with retraining for those uh, those schools or our educational institutions as well. Well, and we've got Mohawk College here in Hamilton, of course, which as I recall is still the number one skills trades uh, community college in Ontario. Uh, has a great track record and a great success record, but I, I always I wonder about that aspect of it. I know the older worker because uh, it's a lot more difficult for them to to go and get retrained because let's face it, a lot of them have financial responsibilities. They they may have mortgages and things of this nature, uh, and you can't just say, okay, I'm going to drop everything and go back to school. There's, there's got to be some balance there, doesn't there? Absolutely, and that's where uh, you know financial support from the government can be of help, but also looking at it in a really holistic perspective and making sure that that person is retraining for a job that is available and ready for them. And so is there some matching that can happen with a small business owner, for example, where they then you know take on the employee, they understand that they'll be um, getting some retraining and support through a local call it polytechnic or college, and then they come back retrained and ready to go. So I think making sure that we've got the whole path sorted out before an individual just you know necessarily says, I'm going to take two years off and go and hope this is the right certificate or degree program for me. I think we have enough labor market information that we can predict that kind of thing, so we just need to make sure all the pieces of the puzzle are working together. Well, there have been programs in the past where, where governments have actually, uh, I guess, certainly subsidized some of the wages for new employees. I mean, at an entry level, I guess that might be a little easier to do. But, uh, you know, extending that so that you've got people that are looking for retraining jobs, uh, it might make things an awful lot easier on the employer if they knew that they were going to get some government help to, uh, to assist in, in those wages uh, as opposed to, you know, simply saying, look, it's all or nothing. That's right, and that gets back at that informal on-the-job training I was mentioning earlier. It's really hard to measure that, but it's a really important piece of how individual Canadians are necessarily trained up when they join a new um, organization or they start a new role somewhere. So certainly it's been, uh, it's been on our long list of suggestions, and we know that amounts to quite a bit. Our members have told us they invest around $9 billion a year in informal on-the-job training, and that was data from a few years ago, so it's probably a bit more now. That's a huge chunk of the economy that's, ha- that's happening, and so some recognition from the federal government on that and being a bit broader in terms of how they measure that so that you don't, as I said, need to necessarily prove to the government that you sent an employee away to a course uh, would be welcome, I think, by small businesses. Well, we'll find out tomorrow afternoon uh, whether or not they've been listening and uh, if they're going to enact any of these stuff, things or other. Uh, Monique, thank you so much. Great having you on the program today. Thanks for the time. Thanks to you, Bill. Take care. Monique Moreau, of course, uh, with uh, the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses. And, and that's one voice. I mean, there are many other organizations, of course, that uh, speak to finance ministers uh, in the days and hours, I guess, before these budgets. But uh, it's going to be critical, obviously, uh, heading into the election to see if they check off some of those boxes that Monique and others have been talking about. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.